Chapter 28 Under the Glare of Jan Hus With the rain having come to a halt, Klaus's Mercedes stopped in front of Hermann's apartment building, not far from Hermann's two guards, who were standing under an awning and looking exactly as they had when the pair left them hours earlier. Slowly, Herman opened the car's back door, and with a bit of an extended moan, he stepped outside. This was a moan that would become another of his trademarks, and something I would come to know well in the downward spiral that defined my teenage years, as it often accompanied one of his talks about how disappointed he and my grandmother were in me. Would it be okay if I took a short walk before I went to bed, Herman asked Klaus. I need to unwind a little. Klaus answered with a nod. While nodding himself, Herman closed the door and started down Eliska Krasnahorska Street, where he noticed a street sign with the woman's name on it, which made him recall just how much she had meant to Anna and how her oversized presence had inspired Anna, both during her time at the woman's prep school and well afterward. It had been the reason that she and Herman had rented their apartment on her street, which had been named after her years before she died, much like how the train station had been named after President Mazarik long before he passed. Cheskye Pamatse, Herman murmured as he reached the sign. Honor to her memory, which Anna would often say when they walked by the sign together. Slowly but steadily, Herman continued down the street, and Klaus must have signaled the guards, because the two followed Herman. Though he didn't notice this, he didn't even notice what was in front of him. All he noticed was a long closed art gallery, and he stopped beside it. What he was thinking of at this moment he didn't tell me, but I have a pretty good idea, based on a story that Viera told me, which had been told to her by Anna. In this Anna had her arm wrapped around Herman's, and they were walking down the busy sidewalk a few years after they'd been married. It was a hot and bright summer day, and Anna was holding a pink parasol in her free hand, which protected both their faces. Like what often happened when they were out together, people gawked at them and their difference in height. Usually this amused the two, but in this day they weren't paying attention even if their reasons weren't the same. While Herman was overcome with excitement over what was to happen, Anna was by a gloom that had consumed her ever since graduating school and finding no market for her art. He practically had to drag her out of the house that day. You must hate me, she muttered while avoiding his eyes. What are you talking about, he asked. She answered, you gave up all your dreams for me, and for what? I'm not good for anything, it would seem. Herman didn't reply to this. Instead, they continued on. They did until they came upon the art gallery, where he stopped and said, Wouldn't this be a great spot for that self-portrait of yours? Anna responded by glancing at the empty easel in the window, and she shrugged. So, Herman went on, the other day I went inside and told the owner this. You didn't, gasped Anna. I did, he said with a grin. And, Anna uttered, with both anxiousness and nervousness, 
and she kindly showed me out the door, Herman answered. But that's when I saw the store across the street. This led Anna to turn around, releasing Herman's arm as she did, and she looked at an empty shop window. So, she said. So, he told her. I figured if the painting were in that window, she'd have to see it. You didn't, Anna again gasped. I did, Herman again said to her with another grin. You rented that store, she screeched. With what? With the money I'd been saving, he explained. You were saving that for blood, she cried out. You almost had enough. We'll get there one day, he insisted. You needed to get here right now. That's just great, Herman, she groaned, with her face reddening with anger. You wasted all that money, and I don't see my painting anywhere. Perhaps you need to look again, he murmured, before again glancing into the gallery window. She did, and she saw a smiling woman putting the self-portrait in the empty easel. She wants to see all your work, Herman whispered, while nodding at the woman who would become Anna's patron. Anna didn't say anything in reply. She couldn't. She just teared up as she took hold of Herman's arm once more. She gripped it as if her life depended on it, and maybe it did. With a bit of a smile, Herman stepped away from the shuttered gallery, and he continued down the empty and dark streets. He did this for many blocks, until he reached Old Town Square, which was empty as well, apart from the statue of Jan Hus. This drew him like a magnet, and he found himself under it, while re-experiencing a moment there on the night he first met Anna. Herman was kissing Anna, which he could only do because she was leaning toward him so their lips could meet. He was also grasping one of her hands, which itself was gripping the single white rose he had just bought her, while her other hand made its way through his impossible brown curls. Their bodies were far apart, too, with their lips and eyes closed. It was Herman's first kiss, even though he wasn't exactly a boy. He would say that it was so powerful that it created a sense of calm in him from which he never wanted to return. It also made him content with himself for the first time. Still, something caused his eyes to open, and he saw the rose in Anna's hand. Carefully, he plucked one of its petals, and he put this in his pants pocket as a remembrance. He afterward noticed the towering figure of Hus, who was a pre-Reformation martyr and a Czech national hero. He noticed, too, that the man looked far from pleased, which made Herman wonder what would happen to him if Hus were alive. He wondered if he'd be the one who'd get burned at the stake. But he didn't do this for long. Anna opened her eyes, and seeing the statue as well, her face became flush, and she broke their kiss and rushed toward the safety of Jelesna Street. Not knowing what else to do, Herman followed. He followed her like a puppy dog. What's wrong, he called out. I was not expecting that kiss, Herr Weiss, she called back. I don't know what came over me, he insisted. I'm not like that, really. Anna responded by pointing back to the statue without looking at it 
and she exclaimed, and underneath Master Huss, no less. My father would kill me. We're Hussites, you know. I didn't know, he pleaded. Yemili do. Hearing Herman apologize in check, and the sincerity in his voice, Anna slowed, and so did he, though he kept a safe distance back. It's all right, she told them. Just give me a little warning next time. I will, he asserted. I promise. Quickly she came to a stop, and she spun toward him, causing him to stop in front of her. What was it like, she asked. What was what like, he asked back. The war, she replied. Herman didn't answer, as he was surprised that he wasn't hearing the sounds of battle in his ears, which made him realize that he hadn't left the calm state he had experienced in her kiss. Did you hear me, she groaned. What, he groaned back. What was the war like, she cried out in exasperation. Yet it was nothing like those romantic novels you read when you're a kid, he explained while avoiding her eyes. It was nothing like them at all. Sometimes we would fight for months over the same trench in the middle of nowhere, like at Verdun. It didn't even seem like we were trying to win anything there. It seemed to be about killing as many people as possible, as if none of our lives mattered, not just the lives of the enemy, but ours as well. I saw so many people die for a trench, Anna. A lousy trench. I was scared all the time. I tell you not for a second was I brave. But you saved those men's lives, didn't you, she uttered? Yes, he had to admit, but it wasn't like how it was described in that newspaper article. It wasn't my intention to save them. I was just trying not to get killed. That's all I was doing. I don't deserve any of those medals. You don't know how many times I've tried to throw them all away. Even the one the emperor pinned on me. But you didn't throw them away, did you? commented Anna. No, Herman answered with a slow shake of his head. That's because you are a hero, she argued. You acted in spite of being afraid. And that's all that matters. So I never again want to hear you say that you weren't brave or imply that you aren't a hero. Not if you want a relationship with me, Herr Weiss. Is that understood? Yes, no, he gasped. Relationship? She didn't answer him with words. Instead, she kissed him. She kissed him far more passionately than how they'd been kissing before, and this both surprised and shocked him, and he quickly broke their embrace. What's wrong, she demanded. Your Klaus's girl was his response. This caused Anna to chuckle, which caused him to demand, What's so funny? You are, she stated with her hands on her hips. Here you are, this big, brave war hero, wrapped inside a naive little boy. What do you mean, he bellowed, while trying to muster indignation that just wasn't in him. It's not me Klaus is in love with, she murmured, as if he were oblivious to the obvious. In a flicker of time, Anna was gone. All that remained was Herman in the empty square, along with the statue of Hus, who was glaring at him just as he had more than two decades earlier. Eventually, Herman turned around, 
and he saw the two guards waiting for him a short distance back at the edge of the square. They waited until Herman passed them and made his way home. It was real, Herman told himself, as he felt the rose petal in his pocket and tried to convince himself of what he was saying. It took him only a handful of minutes to return to Elishka Krasnohorska Street, where with surprise he saw that Klaus's Mercedes was still in front of his building, and that Klaus was watching him. He was watching him with sad and lonely eyes. It's not me Klaus is in love with. Unlike when Anna said these words, Herman was no longer oblivious to the obvious but he wished he were.